This episode of The Naked Truth is brought to you by the Bavarian Open. The Bavarian Open takes place September 12th through the 15th in the beautiful city of Munich, Germany, right next to where Oktoberfest takes place. The event takes place in a beautiful venue that has a beer garden and two restaurants, plus beer on tap all weekend long. The Bavarian Open offers all of the official World Swing Dance Council Jack and Jill divisions, including newcomer, juniors, sophisticated masters, and champions. They also offer classic and showcase routine divisions, a rising star division, and a special Bavarian twist on the All-American contest called the Sepp and Heidi, so be sure to bring your lederhosen and dirndls. With all these competitions, there's lots of opportunities for you to win one of their famous traditional Bavarian gingerbread heart trophies. With four days of nonstop dancing, learning, and fun, there are up to 10 hours of workshops and over 30 hours of social dancing time. They have some of the best professionals on staff, including Sean and Courtney, Simeon and Maria, John and Alyssa, Hugo and Stacy, Ben Morris, Chuck Brown, and PJ Turner. Check out the Blues Intensive with Sean and Courtney and the Judging Intensive with Chuck Brown. And don't miss Red Carpet Night with Champagne and Mimosas. Or Ben Morris getting drunk during the All-Star Division. You have to be there to understand it. Prices start at 100 euro with special discounts for junior students, international travelers, and advanced and higher dancers. But our listeners can get 10% off any ticket by entering code NAKEDTRUTH10 at checkout. Go to BavarianOpen.com to register. And don't forget, get your 10% discount with discount code NAKEDTRUTH10 at checkout. That's NAKEDTRUTH10. Get your pass today. Welcome to The Naked Truth, where we'll talk about West Coast Swing. My name is Deborah, And I'm Eric. And today we are sitting down with one of our nicest and most adored champions. Born and raised here in Northern California, she's been dancing since she was eight years old. She started in Lindy Hop and folk dancing. And while she loved dance, she spent a lot of her youth playing soccer and showing horses competitively. It wasn't until she started ballroom when she was 15 that she was first exposed to West Coast Swing. She immediately fell in love with the dance, especially the creative aspect drawn from other dances. Since then, she has trained in hip-hop, contemporary, jazz, zouk, and ballet, and she uses her knowledge from those dances to enhance her West Coast Swing. She now spends most weekends of the year traveling around the globe, teaching, performing, and competing. She also received a degree in communications and business and has begun to study to become a personal trainer. Please welcome to the show our friend, the amazing Alyssa Glanville. Hello! Yay! Yay! Excited to have yet another guest sitting in the same room. Yes, me too. I'm excited (laughs) to be here. Female guest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we always ask the the same question to most of our guests, Mm -hmm. uh, unless we're doing something that's a little bit away from West Coast Swing. Um, So how did you get started in West Coast Swing? So I actually didn't find West Coast Swing first. I was... um, I was more involved in Lindy Hop from a younger age, like the bio says. Um, I actually, my my sister got involved in this this ballroom troupe that was uh, held in Soma County that I believe Sean McKeever talked about on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. A weeks, months, not sure. Yeah. Um, and my sister would come home from these classes and really want to dance with someone. I have two brothers and they had no interest in dancing <laughs> with her. So she would start leading me. And our favorite dance to really practice was old school style jitterbug. Um, so my parents started to kind of research what kind of dance is around the area that is affordable. And they found a hall called Ellington Hall. And that's where they had jitterbug, old school style Lindy Hop. They had Charleston, all the old school dances. And I got pretty involved in doing Lindy Hop there. And it wasn't until I became 
personally involved in that ballroom troupe, which is called Norquist in Santa Rosa that I found West Coast. And that was many years later. Um, I did Lindy Hop off and on from the age of eight to probably like 23 even. Um, yeah, West Coast was definitely not of interest to me until I got a little older. I didn't really <laughs> see it as um, a particularly wholesome dance at the time. I was raised in a very conservative household. And so I had seen West Coast danced a little bit growing up. And I was always a little afraid of like, oh, the body rolls are kind of suggestive. <laughs> I don't know if I really want to do those. Um, times definitely changed a lot of things. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. I found it through this ballroom troupe called Norquist. And then I got pretty addicted to it pretty quickly. Um, Sean was part of this troupe as well. And he was, I think, three years ahead of me in the, the junior dance program that they had. And so his mom and him had kind of brought a bunch of these younger dancers who really liked West Coast to events um, that were nearby. And they were kind of getting everyone ready for this new event coming, or not new, um, but this event nearby in, in uh, San Francisco. And I was interested in it actually because it was a crossover event originally. And so my mom I told her, I was like, Mom, there's this, there's this dance event. It has Lindy Hop, also some West Coast, but I really want to go for the Lindy Hop. And it was Boogie by the Bay uh, back in 2008. And right. so my mom brought me for the Lindy Hop. And I ended up most of the time in the West Coast room. Uh, and I just had a ball with West Coast Swing there. Um, and Buddy Schwimmer actually hooked me up with some random guy who ended up to be Andrew Mikowski from Florida. All um, right. And we did Novice Strictly. I had never met him before. I danced in Mary Jane's and Sailor Pants. And we did Novice Strictly and won at Boogie. I was like, ah, oh, I like winning. <laughs> 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 this is good. <laughs> Let's do more of this. Oh, I like winning. Yeah. What was it that turned you on to West Coast after not liking it at first? Like, how did you come around to liking it? It's a good question. I really, I really enjoyed the music. The variety of music was fascinating to me. Uh, I think that's, that's when, I, when I was 15. And that's probably when I started to listen to music besides like Christian rock and, and like Motown, which is what I was raised on. Um, so I started to get this huge diversity of music and I found it fascinating mm -hmm. And, and while Lindy Hop does have a super expressive side, the creativity and the, the input and freedom that the follower has is kind of different. Um, it, it exists in both dances, but the style of like hip hop and the, the elements of solo movement drew me to West Coast Swing in a different way. Um, and I was fascinated by the connection. I thought it was so cool. I think I social dance till probably 7am every day and my mom hated it. <laughs> Because she'd have to stay up too. <laughs> Tell me what you thought was fascinating about the connection. It was it's an interesting way to you know describe it. Yeah, I think it was the, the combination of of engagement with another person. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think my connection really matured until later in my West Coast swing career, but just learning how to how to follow and feel all these different shapes and patterns and. Um, and encounter all these different moves and ones that I didn't know or hadn't been taught, but could still follow mm -hmm. and still feel how to move through them. It was really unique. Um, yeah, it was, it was cool to, to see and feel the cause and effect and be the effect. almost telepathic. Yeah, exactly. That's why I liked it. Mm -hmm. That's what drew me to it too. Cool. 
who has influenced you most as a dancer and as a dance professional? Mm. So one of my, my memories, um, growing up, I think it was probably when I was around 17, I was at the warehouse, uh, in Novato and there was a competition there and Courtney Adair was one of the judges Mm -hmm. and Courtney was one of my favorite pros because she had the the background in Lindy hop Mm -hmm. and she had just this dope way of moving. And she was this earthy soul that like, it's like, I want to be best friends with her someday. Uh, (laughs) And there was this competition. She judged it. And afterwards she came out to me and she was just like, Hey, you're awesome at dancing. You need to keep doing this. The way you move is awesome. And she was so encouraging that like, I will never forget. I remember what I was wearing when she came up to me. I will never forget that she was one of the first pros to be like, Hey, you're really awesome. You should keep doing this thing. Um, and since then she's actually become one of my very close friends and someone that I admire so much because not only did she do that to me, she's done that to a number of people and she really sets an awesome, uh, presence at events. And I think she has a really lovely way of, of personalizing her compliments. Mm-hmm. Um, and making a person feel like a thousand bucks, like maybe a million bucks even. <laughs> um, I agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she was one of the first ones for me. And throughout the years now, I've had a number of, of mentors. Um, Tim, a few, it's like Robert Brayston, Kyle and Sarah, uh, right. John Kirkconnell, uh, Sean and Courtney, Deborah, you've been a mentor to me. Um, well, absolutely. And, and all of these people who, are doing this life and doing this profession in, um, in a beautiful way. And, and people who inspired my dancing, especially, um, like people who I studied on YouTube were like, uh, Jennifer DeLuca, uh, Courtney, Sarah, um, Melissa roots. Those are all Mm -hmm. people that I would go back and just study and try to, to replicate their styles on my body, um, without trying to be identical to them. Right. Yeah. You do have a very fantastic, unique, amazing style that no one will ever be able to replicate. So <laughs> that's, you should be very proud of that. Thank you. Um, so you went to college and you got a degree mm-hmm. in communications, right? Mm-hmm. I did. Um, at what point did you think about pursuing a full-time, you know, dance career and what made you make that decision? It, well, it was kind of an accident. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I got a degree mostly because I started going to college when I was 15. I was homeschooled my whole life and then took the California exit exam and then started going to the San Jose Junior College when I was 15 and basically had no idea what I wanted to do. Then I started dancing. I was like, ah, dancing is fun. I should keep doing this. But I was also still studying and just sampling different possible routes for a degree. Um, And then I transferred to San Francisco state mostly just like I wanted to get a degree and be done. By this point, I'd been at the junior college for five years, didn't know what I wanted to do, but I started to really enjoy dancing and people started to ask me if I taught dancing. And I was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I should figure (laughs) out how to do that first. Um, so communications is actually a pretty, pretty easy choice for me because it's a relatively easy degree. Um, but it was also something that communications is really relevant and necessary as a teacher. Absolutely. And 
And it was also a degree that I could do well traveling and being gone a number of weekends a year. So becoming a professional West Coast Wing dancer, it honestly wasn't my desired trajectory when I first started dancing. I knew I really liked it and I knew I could be good at it. And then as I started to compete more and kind of go up the ranks, um, people started asking me if I taught. So then I had to figure out how to teach. And I had a lot of help in that regard. Um, and then it, I ended up teaching more and YouTube was really useful in kind of getting the marketing out. They're like, ah, oh, I dance and teach. Um, and the rest is kind of history. So the degree that I have, it's, it's still very helpful. Useful. It's absolutely useful. Yeah. And it was immediately useful. I took classes in leadership and you better believe the things I learned in that class, I would go apply that weekend. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely, well, while having this degree, I'm probably never going to use the degree in a professional sense outside of West Coast Swing. It's never say never. Fair, fair point. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, but it's still been super useful in, in a variety of ways. I wouldn't say that communications is an easy degree. I mean, mm. not everyone has the arts or the ability to communicate well, and that's why there's a degree to to do it. Fair. It probably was easier for you because you are naturally a good communicator. Mm, thank you. That's something that you're good at. So I feel like communications like was a natural progression for you. You didn't realize it, but mm. the universe kind of said, hey, do this. Yeah. Well, and it's actually in my heritage, heritage maybe, legacy. Uh, my mm. mom did communications. My sister oh. did communications. So it was a pretty easy, easy choice in that regard. I think it was a good decision. Thank you. I'm happy okay. with it. <laughs> I'm not mad at you either. <laughs> yeah, I found uh, when I was in a communications role, which mm. I stumbled into, I never had a degree in it, so mm. I like, learned by doing. But I'd be doing communications by day and then at night go and teach. I was like, oh, this is like this is the same it's thing. Same. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, it's very cool that it's it is very relevant to your West Coast swing career. Mm. Um, as we were talking about, you do have a very distinct, I would say, graceful and very expressive style. Mm. You, you have a style that not only is distinct from others, but um, is is influential. I'm seeing mm. it in other people too, like mm. as they try to emulate you, which is really cool. Like at Swing of Soda, I was noticing some of the higher level dancers. I'm like, mm. oh, that's so Alyssa. Um, <laughs> But like in a good way. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious, how did you develop your dancing, you know, your style, your technique, your method mm. to reach your level of success? Dang. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot. Um, so definitely have the influences of Lindy in, in my core movement. Like when you see sometimes I do a particular swivel that is 100% stolen from a Lindy swivel. Um but I've definitely done a lot of solo movement uh, practice and work um, because I haven't been in a partnership where I can practice with a person often. So I end up practicing alone a lot of the time. Uh, and I would practice whether it was just freestyle flow or it was West Coast swing by myself and actually moving through space um, as if I were moving with a person. I would say I definitely studied not only West Coast swing dancers, but I also study a variety of solo dancers as well. And I would try to just replicate what I saw and put it on my body. And I'm a, I'm a super visual learner. So I'm super visual and then I'm kinesthetic. So I have to see it and then do it. And then 
do it like 80 more times and then maybe we're good. <laughs> and so I would study these YouTube videos now of some people like Keone and Mariel Madrid. Mm -hmm. And I would study them and try to replicate what they did and put it on my body. And then I would video myself dancing by myself and then go back and study. And I still do this honestly on a daily basis where I video myself dancing for anywhere between 30 minutes to two hours, maybe longer. And then I'll go through and study and see what looks good, what doesn't, why it didn't, what texture mm -hmm. I was trying to create here. Uh, was I breathing in this moment or not? Um, but it's a lot of, a lot of solo training. And then I honestly just taught my eyes to recognize what was good and what wasn't and what I liked on my body and what I didn't. And so I was able to kind of filter through like, okay, that's good. That's not, that's good. That's not. Um, also it helps that I was studying some awesome dancers and then mm -hmm. I could see what is rewarded and what's good on their body. Um, and then kind of compare it to mine and contrast it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you go to urban dance camp? I did. When was that? That was last August, actually. Oh, was That's it? a fun dance camp. Oh, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I watched the videos from it and I'm blown away. So yeah. I know like, I think Tony and Larissa went to that as well. Mm -hmm. A couple of, dancers. I think Hugo and Stacy have gone as well did too, they? I think. Uh, Emmeline and Yaku Not usually go. There's yeah. a couple of European dancers who go. Yeah. Um, it's unreal. Like I wish there was something like that for West Coast Swing. Because it's what I did was one of the shorter sessions. So I did four days. It's 25 hours of classes in four days. You basically eat, sleep, dance, and then try to eat some more because your calorie intake is too low. <laughs> right. um, and they ha do have some social gatherings too, but that's usually on the weekends. They throw choreo at you so fast. Like, here's some choreo, best of luck, yep. dance at full out, and then perform it. Mm -hmm. um, most, of the, most of the classes aren't... Hey, let's groove. Hey, let's work on our technique. It's a little bit more choreo based, but being Teaching that, you a new skill set, right? Absolutely. And yeah. solo choreo is one of the things that I'm the worst at. So solo freestyle, I'm good. Give me some freestyle and improv. That's what I'm trained to do coming from Lindy Hop. But choreo by myself, ooh, my memory is not great. <laughs> <laughs> so that was definitely um, mentally taxing but also so rewarding when, when you get it, mm -hmm. uh, definitely probably one of the hardest things I've done, but you do it again, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how did you develop your teaching skills and the other skills needed to become a successful traveling pro? So I was lucky enough to, to be partners with John Kirkconnell for around seven years and when we first started teaching or when we first became partners, I was 19. And so I was a baby. <laughs> and again, at that point I hadn't really taught a lot, but I had been dancing for a while. And when we became partners, he was like, okay, so I've been teaching for a long time. His dad, Ian Kirkconnell was a ballroom right. teacher or still is and has been for over 45 years, I think. Mm -hmm. And so his dad taught him how to teach. And so John was already a very, comfortable established teacher when we first became partners. And so he would run the classes and I would be there and I would dance with him. And, and I learned so much just from hearing how he talked, what he would say, what his, his humor was, how to keep people entertained, but also learning. Mm -hmm. Um, so being involved in that and getting to see it from a point of, okay, I don't talk very much. Like maybe I said one sentence, like maybe I said five things and I would slowly start to build from what I would say he was maybe like 97% dominant to now 
when we do teach together or when I teach with other people, it gets to be more like 50, 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also loved and still do sitting in or taking the workshops of my peers because I love hearing how other people teach either similar concepts to me or how they, how they use the projection of their voice, mm-hmm. um, what verbiage is similar. Um, I, and like, I love sitting in like baby workshops, like go and hear someone teach a raw beginner class. Right. And hear how they, how they teach someone who has never seen West Coast swing before and what's important to, to these teachers and how they get ideas across. Um, yeah, I love sitting in workshops and I love taking them too. Um, it's just, I love being able to be a student in that way. Do you prefer teaching with someone or being teaching solo? Oh, that's a good question. I love them both, but for different reasons. So, so tell us why. Teaching solo, I started doing within probably the past year or so more often. And I really, I enjoy the freedom that it gives you as the teacher. It's literally you, you are the, the sole entity kind of running a class and whatever direction you want to go, you can take it in. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely more energy expenditure for me because I am actually a rather introverted person. So running a class, I drink a bunch of coffee right beforehand (laughs) because I want to keep my energy up. I want to keep people entertained. I want to keep people interested and engaged. So in that sense, like it can be a little bit more draining, but it's also very rewarding to be in control of it and Mm -hmm. in control of kind of the direction it goes. Um, I also am kind of funny when I teach and I like being able to have it just be my humor on the floor. Mm -hmm. Um, and then teaching within a partnership, it's nice because you also, I get definitely less drained teaching in a partnership because you get to share and split the, the airspace. Um, and you get to kind of share ideas and teaching with a variety of different leaders or, or other followers. It just means you get to learn more about their, their ideas about the dance. And so definitely teaching with other teachers has helped me a lot as a teacher. Um, would you say that your, your solo dancing has helped you in your teaching, not just mm-hmm. teaching with other dancers? Yes. Okay. Yes, definitely. Cause that's important Absolutely. for people to know. Yeah. Um, taking solo dance classes, just going through solo movement on my own definitely helped me dissect different things that I do or that I see. Um, and then figure out ways to, to share that information in an auditory sense. I'm not a, a words person at a base, but I do know that I teach words people. So I want to be able to cater to each learning style that I might have in my class. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, definitely the, the solo movement practice that I do does help me articulate, um, different things I can do in a verbal sense. Um, I also read, this is, I guess, unrelated. I don't know. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> I read a lot of books about dance movement and mm-hmm. dance imagery. And I love dance imagery. Um, mm-hmm. and so one of the people I love to read is Eric Franklin mm-hmm. and I read mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of his stuff and then try to apply it in my body and then figure out ways to, to teach some of those concepts. 
Um, what would you say your experience has been, you know, transitioning to a solo female professional? You know, surprisingly not challenging. I, I think that I'm super lucky because right now is kind of an era of the solo female uprising in the best of ways. Um, I think you, Deborah, were one of the people who really influenced that. And, and so because you kind of trailblazed for a lot of the rest of us, it, it's been relatively easy. Um, I, I found myself very comfortable in the role, the role of, I am a solo entity. I am an independent human. And I think for me also, I've gone through a, a pretty awesome journey of personal growth over the past two years that mm-hmm. helped me just feel independent as a human outside of dance. And that definitely right. I could bring into my dance career as well. And that's just helped it flourish. I think that's great. And I agree with that statement. You're really oh. good by yourself. I've watched you. R- really? <laughs> I No one ever knows when I'm oh, in class. Oh, wow. Thank mm-hmm. you. You're welcome. You mentioned um, how your partnerships with leaders has been more 50-50. Mm-hmm. And I remember distinctly um, talking with Chini about a workshop you did at Swing Soda last year where mm-hmm. John pretty much let you take the lead. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was really awesome mm-hmm. because we, and we've talked about this on the show, we don't often see that. Mm-hmm. You know, usually when the leader's in the room, the male leader is usually still dominant. Yeah. Um, or he mansplains the woman a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she makes me bananas. Uh, me too. But I'm curious mm-hmm. how, how, you, how did you form your partnership with John and, um, you know, you, you talked about how that influenced you as a teacher, but mm-hmm. how did that help develop your dance? Hmm. Um, um, so we met at Sea to Sky oh, in 2011, I think. And I didn't know much about him. He hadn't really been on the scene a whole lot recently. Um, he apparently knew who I was and he was like, I'm going to dance with that girl. And we ended up dancing Sunday night. He was in terrible running shoes. Uh, <laughs> and, and we danced and we had a couple dances in a row and it was great. It's like, wow, this connection feels awesome. I don't know why or how, but like, this is really cool. And so we ended up talking a little bit afterwards and we set up a strictly to do at capital swing the following year. And I just expected like, okay, he might forget. Like I'm never going to see him again. But, um, but he starts messaging me and starts kind of bugging me to be like, Hey, so I run this event. It's called swing Coover. You should come, come to my event. I'm like, eh, probably not, unless you're going to pay me, but no. <laughs> um, and he's like, no, like you should come, come to it. And I was like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm in school. I can't do it. Um, then the event happened and he still kept bugging me like, Hey, what's up? How's it going? It's like, Oh, mm-hmm. you actually want to be my friend. Cool. <laughs> so then we, we did strictly and it was super fun. We actually both got to the event on Thursday to like dance and kind of see like, Hey, do we dance well together? Um, and we were like, wow, we feel like really comfy with each other. Like, what about a partnership? Cause we both didn't really have, uh, anyone currently. And so that was kind of it. I talked with Sean and Courtney. He talked with Kyle and Sarah and they were both like, do, do the thing. We encourage this. And, um, yeah, it was, the rest was history. We started teaching and traveling around and, uh, he's fluent in French. So we initially got a bunch right. of gigs in France, which was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I learned very little French, (laughs) 
but I have a little bit. I can I can count to eight. Um, yeah, and definitely it was not easy because of the distance. He lives in Vancouver. I live in San Francisco, and so there was just whenever we'd be practicing for a routine, there would be a lot of travel back and forth, um, or trying to practice at dance events, which is really hard to do, especially especially if it's international because you also are dealing with jet lag, and usually there's a little bit more work international for international events. Yes. It's it's hard. It's hard when you don't live in the same place in general. It doesn't matter whether, you know, even if you, even if you, you know, live a one hour flight away, Yeah, you know, it's hard. Mm -hmm. And I feel like uh, partnerships stay more successful when they live closer to one another. Not that other partnerships don't, but they have to work twice as hard. Um, to make the partnership, uh, last, but you and John have a, you know, really fun, um, partnership, mm-hmm. you know, even though he lives in Canada, Canada <laughs> I know silly Canadian. It's beautiful though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you, you've mentioned going abroad for events and mm. now you travel, how many weekends a year are you traveling now? It's, but be- it's like between 42 to 40. Seven. Yeah, I feel like you're hardly in San Francisco anymore. Um, So what has your experience been as a traveling pro? I know we talked to Sean and Courtney, and they talked about the joys and challenges Mm -hmm. of just traveling in general, Mm -hmm. like you said, jet lag and these other things. Um, What have you really enjoyed, and what has been challenging for you with this kind of lifestyle? Yeah, Um, I've definitely enjoyed seeing so much of the world and different cities. It was, it was challenging at the beginning because for the first, I don't know, two or three years I was in college while trying to travel. And so my, my two years in San Francisco state, I was traveling probably 30 weekends a year while full time in college. I would not, I would not recommend it. (laughs) Don't do it. I I wouldn't either. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. It's terrible. I did not sleep a lot. Um, but during that time, I didn't really get the opportunity to see the places I was going. I saw a lot of airports and a lot of hotels. Um, so when I graduated in 2016, it gave me the chance to like actually ex- excuse me, extend some trips and start to see the locations I was traveling. And oh my God, there's tons of beautiful places. Yes. Just getting to experience different countries, different cultures, so much good food. Mm-hmm. That stuff, like food, the food yeah. is amazing. <laughs> the food and wine, yes. Oh, it's un- it's unreal. Uh, we've gotten the opportunity to go to, to Japan five times now, and just getting to see the the Japanese cherry blossoms because we're there in April, uh, and getting to see all the different temples and eat literally my weight in sushi. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel incredibly lucky to have those experiences. Um, I think the challenges of traveling is that there's, it's, it's hard to maintain balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the reasons for me, I will probably never live a nomadic lifestyle because I love my house. I love my home. I love my bed. I love the fact that my family lives an hour and a half away from me. I love that I have like friends that aren't dancers and that I can keep up with them for the day or two that I'm actually home. It took me some time to figure out the proper balance, but yeah, it's hard. Oh yeah. Um, that can be challenging sometimes. Also sleep. 
I what? What? asleep as hard. Who needs sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed you post Ooh. on Instagram like I've been up for like thirty hours. Yeah, <laughs> that's not good. No. <laughs> yeah. um, I definitely I taught myself how to sleep on airplanes, so I'm really good at passing out on airplanes. Uh, probably to a fault sometimes because I know people think I'm dying because I I'm a terrible sleeper. I look disgusting when I sleep. That's uh, <laughs> what you look like when you sleep as long as you're comfortable. <laughs> I've had someone actually wake me up and be like, "Are you okay? You look like you're dead." <laughs> <laughs> it's like thank you. <laughs> right, it's a lovely way to wake up. Thank I you. know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think one of the things that's been really useful for me in maintaining some semblance of a routine is I work out almost every day. And I don't care where I am. I don't care if there's a gym or not. I'm going to get out and be active and work out and probably do some solo dance because that's one of the things that keeps me really grounded. Um, and it's almost a form of movement therapy for me. So wherever I am, I, I have to do that. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely useful. I think one of the other things that's challenging sometimes with travel is other people. <laughs> Other yeah. that, uh... I find that challenging for that track. Good point. <laughs> oh, other people who don't know how to travel sometimes yes. like they could, I've I've never hit a person, but I've gotten very close. <laughs> I don't think it's just other people who don't know how to travel. I think it's just other people who just lack awareness. Yes. It's yeah. even just traveling. It's just there's lack awareness. Yes. So unfortunate. And I'm um, an I'm an aisle seat person and so when we when we're boarding, I sit in my aisle seat and I get hit all the time. So now I just sit like awkwardly, like cuddling the middle person. <laughs> so my, my right shoulder doesn't get hit by every bag. Yeah. yeah. Um so as someone who travels, you know, internationally, you've gotten to see dancing communities around the world. How does the dance vary in different parts of the world? And what do you mm. think of the community in general? Oh, it definitely does vary. I was thinking about this question. It's like, oh, how am I going to answer that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love experiencing the slight differences in each community and kind of what different different communities prioritize. Um, A community like Singapore, they are wonderful. Like they're just so warm and welcoming and friendly. And like, there's one event. Maybe there's two events now there. But for Asia Open, literally, they take like 19 privates. Maybe not. But they take a lot of privates during that entire weekend just so they can work and grow and improve themselves. And I think that's super amazing. Um, I I love the European community. I love going to events in Europe and working there because the Europeans work their asses off. They almost always have leveled workshops. And so they get so much out of going to workshops. Um, the flow there, is, I feel, is a little bit different in just how people connect. And I love it. I, I don't, I haven't met many connections. I don't like, um, for me, a new connection is just a new opportunity and European connection is, is generally pretty smooth. The people they look up to are like the Maxances of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people use, uh, power and momentum really cool there. I really enjoy how they, it's almost like Tai Chi esque how they create flow. Mm-hmm. Um, versus like, let's see trying to think of other communities. Um, I find the U S definitely there's, there's a difference in the East coast versus West coast. There always has been. Um, yes. And I definitely, I'm from the West coast. I'm a little biased towards it, but East coast, I love how, how linear they can be. And even like sometimes they're a little bit more tight through their frame. 
and I really enjoy what that puts in my body. Um, I, like I said, I don't think I've met a connection I don't enjoy. It's just something different. It's going to be a different reaction in my body versus I agree with that. West Coast dancers, I find generally are maybe a little bit more, there's more space through the frame, slightly rounder edges, um, a little bit more open to, to different input um, at a base. But I do think like this dance is still constantly evolving. So every community is, is going working towards evolving their, their movement to be adaptable. Mm -hmm. Um, and Mm -hmm. I definitely, I think adaptability is one of the key things this dance should and have, should have, should have words. Should have. There we go. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's a difference between East coast, Midwest Mm. and West coast. Yes. Texas. And, I was going to say Texas was yes. always kind of its own world. Yeah. Although I think more recently it's, it's yeah, opened up. No. A bit. Well, I mean, we're kind of all together in line now because we mm-hmm. used to be very separate. Right. But there's definite differences between um, the communities, but that's what makes West Coast Swing so cool. Cause I'm originally from the East coast. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Um, I wouldn't say I move like someone from the East coast no. necessarily. Um, but I would say uh, my influence started from the East Coast mm-hmm. and then moved over to the West Coast because then I lived there for 10 years. Right. Right. Yeah, I definitely – I haven't been to enough of Mid- the Midwest events to mm-hmm. get a, an extreme feel for, for the vibe there. Um, Did I you hear that, everyone? Yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> well, you're just at Swing of Soda. I was. Right. Yes. And I've been right. to Swing of Soda now. This is my third time there. Um, mm-hmm. And oh my God, I love that community. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been to Texas now for the first time this year. But yeah, it's interesting how I feel the dance is kind of. There, maybe there used to be harsher lines of like, okay, East Coast mm-hmm. dancer, Midwest dancer. Yeah, now I feel right. the lines are getting more blurred. They are. Uh, which is, is enjoyable. Well, I think there's going to be overlap because pros like yourself mm-hmm. will travel a lot. Um, I do feel, though, that there's I've so much of local style is who the local teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, my travels in Europe, like I can definitely see you know, oh, this community was definitely trained by these people, mm-hmm. you know, even though they've been exposed to other pros. Right. Um, I think there's a big influence from the local teachers. The other thing I'm curious about, I don't know if you have been a traveling pro long enough to see this, but I feel like with the explosion of so many events now, mm. particularly here in the States. Mm, there's a ton in Europe too. That Well, yes, yeah. yes in Europe. Um, but I feel like in the States, we used to, or I used to anyway, maybe Deborah, you feel differently, but I feel like people used to travel more because there were fewer events. Yeah. Right. Yes. So there were, in some ways, there was a period where West Coast was growing, but there weren't a lot of events yet. Right. And so I started seeing more blending mm-hmm. of styles. And now I'm curious if, if, well, either of you for the, for that matter, because Deborah, you teach all over the country, if you see kind of more regional variation. Cause like on the I one did. hand, you both are as pros, like you all are teaching across the board Mm -hmm. at the same time i feel like people travel less they stay more in their bubble i mean there's a definite difference between northern california and southern california dancers Mm -hmm. that's a good point you know what i mean yeah Yeah. just like there was a difference between houston and dallas right yeah new york and Uh, boston dance new york and boston Mm -hmm. so there's always some uh 
differences, Mm -hmm. but there's also things that keep us, love will keep us together. Sorry. (laughs) I couldn't help that. (laughs) Sing will keep us together. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And what's crazy is that in California alone, there's one event a month. Right. So you can go to one event a month and never leave this state. And you could do the same thing on the East Coast now. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that's part of what separates us a little bit mm-hmm. because, and you could do that in the Midwest yeah, as well. Yeah, that's true. There's lots of events in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So to me, traveling now, you know, it's a choice. People want to travel because they want to, you know, get to know different communities and they want to meet different, you know, types of uh, dancers and that there, there are others that are just happy being where they are and don't want to travel at all. Right. I don't like those people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like that's one of the things I really like about the European events, or at least mm-hmm. in my experience, I haven't been to many, like a handful of them, but I feel like, cause Europe's pretty contained, right. you can easily hop on a train or a quick flight mm-hmm. that people really will go to all Everywhere. different events. Yeah. Um, so God, wouldn't it be nice that we could, that we'd have that luxury of having right. <laughs> such a big country, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even, lots of culture and all those things. I mean, you could go to France and Italy and, you know, if you're driving six hours and you can flight in an hour and you could go to so many beautiful places all over Europe. We don't have that luxury. Yeah. We drive six hours. We're not even LA yet. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, you're still in freaking California if you go north to south. Yeah. Well, I feel like the the Rocky Mountains are this like invisible barrier. Yeah. Like I go to the other side of the Rockies. I'm like, oh, you people are still here. There's all these people. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, you guys. (laughs) So speaking of different communities, you've done both Lindy and West Coast Mm Wayne kind of two primary, um, you know, most popular swing dances. What do you think makes West Coast what it is? Mm-hmm. Right. We often talk about like, what is swing? and What makes West Coast versus any other swing dance? Mm-hmm. Um, and another way of framing it that I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on is how sort of, what do you try to teach others about what West Coast is? So, you know, you mentioned earlier watching somebody teach brand new beginners is really mm-hmm. interesting because that's where people try to lay down like this is West Coast. Right. What do you try to infuse into your teaching about what you think makes West Coast West Coast? Cool. Okay. So, Lindy Hop, we're going to leave that on the side for a hot second. And we'll just talk about, okay. <laughs> sure. Um, so, I just didn't know if that was like a frame of reference because you've done both. Kind of. So, I, I taught Lindy Hop actually for three years at Cat's Corner, which is a local uh, weekly dance in the city. And so I actually had a lot of experience teaching raw beginners for Lindy Hop. Mm-hmm. Way more experience than teaching a raw beginner for West Coast because I haven't taught at a weekly, regular local dance for West Coast Swing. Um, so I definitely haven't had that many opportunities with a freshy person, like a fresh newborn West Coast Swing dancer. Uh, but in the cases that I do get to teach a raw beginner class, I start with to like feel this human's connection. Like this is how we communicate things. This is super important. Um, I usually have people hold hands and I do this in Lindy Hop too. have people hold hands and talk about the general hand position of the dance, because I feel like that's not often brought up in the first couple of weeks of classes. And I think it's really important how to hold a hand, how to touch a person, Um, have people learn how to hold hands, get really, really awkwardly close to each other, take baby steps away to start to develop that feeling of connection. And I try to keep my verbiage pretty, um, easy to understand and digest. 
especially in different countries. That's important. If I start to talk about, and we have this thing called, I don't know, contra-bodied, blah, 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 blah. They're going to be like, what the? <laughs> yeah, what is no that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so trying to keep the verbiage pretty light and easy, have people rotate a lot and high-five a lot. Um, then after having them feel connection, just feel weight transfers. So I definitely would preface with like leaders lead, followers follow. I don't care right. what gender you are, pick a role, stick with it for the class. Um, and then I try to keep the pronouns relatively neutral. Sometimes I mess up. Oh, well, um, what happens? Yeah. But talk about, okay, now weight transfers and then talk about a triple set, but usually keep them pretty connected through the whole Mm -hmm. thing. So they just feel, Mm -hmm. okay, this is when I take a walking step and this is how the weight transfer date feels. And then if I do a triple step, how does that feel? Maybe a little bit different Mm -hmm. through the connection. Uh, usually I wouldn't teach a sugar push in a raw class. Uh, I would just do a basic left side pass and maybe an unarmed turn. Um, I would Interesting. Have, how come? Sugar push, I, in my opinion, is one of the hardest basics. Uh, hmm. If I have time for it, if I have like an hour and a half long class, then I'd probably go over it just because they'll be led in it. If it, if there's a social dance afterwards. But I think it's it's harder for a raw beginner to learn, okay, this is connection and that's line tension. And then, oh, also we've got compression and that's connection too. And how to mm-hmm. kind of pass between line tension to compression. That's mm-hmm. for me, that is a super advanced skill. And of course I would teach that if I were doing a month long class, I'd probably yeah. teach that in the second and third week. Mm-hmm. But in the first week, I want them to be super successful really quickly. Mm-hmm. And a left side pass and underarm turn, they get to turn, followers are happy. And they get to pass each other. But I think that they're, they're going to probably have the <clears> most <throat> success the quickest and will be more likely to come back for the next week. Interesting. And okay. my goal is I want people to come back. I don't right. want people to be too scared by how hard things are right away. So when you teach more advanced dancers, mm-hmm. we talked about this on this show ad nauseum (laughs) yes you know what is swing and like when people are pushing the dance versus not doing the dance Mm. um and i guess i brought up lindy because you know lindy doesn't really have conversations about swing content they are swing dance yeah you know um there's not really a debate about that and i'm curious even when you're working with higher level dancers or when Mm. you're judging or Mm. when you're teaching in general you know what is it that you think makes west coast west coast that you look for in even higher level dancers who maybe are more artistic and expressive. Um, I definitely love looking at redirected moments um, mm-hmm. and kind of watching for, okay, <clears throat> is there actual stretch? Is there an increase of stretch in the redirected moments? Is there not our followers filling space? Are leaders creating clarity of line Are leaders clear about anything? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was the best. <laughs> um, when I judge, I love watching point of connection because I think there's a lot of information conveyed through point of connection, uh, regardless of which role I'm judging. If I'm judging a leader, I'll watch his point of connection and kind of watch the reaction in the follower's body to see, is he lock and keying something that might not feel so great? Or or is that something that's coming more from an arm movement? Or is it something in the follower's body she's artificially putting in there? Right. Um other things I would look for, like I am a, a oh, I don't have a foot fetish, but I love feet. Like <laughs> I think footwork is super key in this dance. And while we can be rhythmic in all the parts of the body, and I love that, I think footwork is is a necessity. And 
I will watch people's feet when I'm judging. Mm-hmm. I will watch to see, are they dancing on time? Right. Um, are they actually developing their feet and allowing the development to carry up from the leg? Or is it coming down from the hip? Like, where is the development of their leg coming from? Um, is there a cause and effect to what the leader is creating, what the followers reaction is or, or vice versa is the follower creating something that the leader is able to react to it as well. Um, so that would definitely be looking for more in higher levels, but still necessary. And then also can people actually swing a triple? Hmm. Yeah, that's can people actually swing a triple and swing it on time? Because Hmm. there's a lot of, um, like, I think I'm swinging my triple, but either the foot articulation is wrong. The timing of the swing is wrong. Um, and I think that is something that even if there is no swung triple in the bass beat, I bet you I can find a swung triple somewhere else in that song. In one of the other layers of sound, there's going to be a swung triple somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely something you can you can put into just about any any song. Um, just have to listen for it within the different layers of, of the music. I agree with that statement. Um, so you're really active, 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 which I'm so jealous <laughs> of. <laughs> user of social media, particularly on Instagram, mm-hmm. how have you been using the platform to, ve- to develop your brand and a following? And I wish <laughs> I was so good at it. like you are. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Um, so I've done a lot of research regarding it because mm-hmm. what I've, I, because I follow so many solo dancers and kind of what their careers are and what their trajectory is. I follow them all on Instagram. So what I've actually mm-hmm. done is I've modeled what I do with my Instagram based on what I've seen other dancers of other styles do. So a lot of it comes from, okay, how do these solo dancers who have over a million followers uh, on Instagram, how do they promote themselves? How do they use social media, particularly Instagram as a way to, to gain more attention? Um, My primary goal with it, I do want West Coast Swing dancers to, to be interested, but I also want to get other dancers of other styles interested and so I use a variety of hashtags to try and gain interest from other dancers or other styles as well. Um, it's definitely been, it's, it's kind of an experiment. Like I, I've looked up like, what are the best posting times? Yeah. What day is the best day to post things? Uh, I have on my phone on the, the clock app, I have all the different time zones saved. So I try to post something when all the time zones are awake. And usually when the New York and San Francisco time zones are um, getting off work and getting ready for bed. Right. Because that's when people are going to be on their phones the most. And, and that's when I'm going to get the most action. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I think one of the things that I'm super conscientious about as well is the brand that I'm putting out there is I'm a dancer. Um, I've definitely gotten the most interactions with my posts when I post videos. Videos of me dancing and usually videos of me partner dancing, because that is of course what I'm doing professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, videos of solo movement, I get less attention for, and like, I don't care about that. It's really, honestly, I just want to put it out there. Um, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of noticing the trends and Instagram. I have a business Instagram, so it means I can see the insights and kind of look at the the data regarding like, okay, how many followers did I get from this particular post? How many, like, uh, clicks that I get from this hashtag from people who just right. love the hashtag. Um, I have a, a hashtag that I use frequently, which is movement addict. And that one is, I use a couple other people use it, 
But if you click on that hashtag, I'm in one of the top mm-hmm. hashtags like five or six times. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at that hashtag, you'll see a bunch of different posts by me. Um, so kind of finding regular hashtags to use. Um, it's, <sighs> yeah, I know. I, can I mean, hear- just hashtags alone make me give me anxiety. <laughs> it's not it's no joke. Mm-hmm. There's so many. There's so many. <laughs> There's so many. The, yeah. the social media, the the, the consuming of time oh, that it I know. takes. I know. I'm just. I'm anxious. <laughs> I, I can't sleep at night. <laughs> so bad. That's why when I watch your posts, I'm like, oh god, she's so good at this. <laughs> Damn it. Well, yeah, you are on it. And by the way, one of the hashtags that you use, obviously, you use West Coast Swing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also use modern swing. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that term on this show. Do you mm-hmm. have like an opinion? Is there a reason why you use that term or what does it mean to you? Uh, so I know that's, that's one of the terminologies Benji often uses. Mm-hmm. Um, in reality, I think I don't really, I don't really care. <laughs> like, yeah, West Coast swing, modern swing for me, it's swing. Right. Um, I, put both of those hashtags on honestly to get more people involved. Yeah. Um, for me, we do a modern form of swing. Right. And I agree with that. I don't think we should change our name. No, I like, I like the name West coast swing. When I, when I describe it to someone who doesn't know what I do, I say it is a modern version of this old style of swing dance. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of West coast swing is that it is an evolving dance. Right. And it's constantly growing and changing. It's a living dance, which is one of my favorite terminologies for it. And so we don't need to change. I, I personally don't think we need to change the name, but I also kind of don't care that much. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, it's, it's the swing dance that we do. I'm not going to say I'm a professional modern swing dancer. No, I'm a professional West Coast swing dancer. Right. Sometimes it's just a mouthful. <laughs> like, oh, West Coast swing. Oh, jeez. I know. I mean, <laughs> three words. Seriously, is... I hear so many people say, God, it's just so many words. It's three words. And modern swing yeah. is also three syllables, so. I mean, that's true. <laughs> You're right. Professional modern people? swing dancer, professional West Coast swing dancer. I think it's because I'm also a lazy talker sometimes. West Coast swing. You got a degree in communication. I know. I know. By the way, did that, did that help you at all in, in sort of how you approach Instagram? Thinking about communications yes. and marketing? I'm very careful about kind of the captions I post, um, what the general like template is. Mm-hmm. I have a like a bullet point that I use between different things I write. Um, you can ask the people who know me, who like watch me write things. I, I check and recheck and recheck for grammar mm-hmm. um, and just punctuation and because i do want to be seen as someone who's professional right and it's the same with i have a dj instagram and it's the same thing i try to be conscientious about my word choices and try to be careful that like i want to come across as professional Mm -hmm. not as someone who doesn't punctuate well or doesn't capitalize words or etc we have those a lot yes so um I wanted to ask you about the DJ one. Oh, yeah. Because we have you DJing at MCS yeah. whenever we can. Mm-hmm. Um, Listen up. <laughs> but, but yeah, like what? what's your goal with that? I mean, other than yeah. just sharing music you love, is that part of how you're trying to brand yourself? Are you trying to become more of a DJ or? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I really enjoy it. I love DJing. It's super fun for me. The reality is I started that thing. It's actually been just over a year because it was August last year that I started it. Um, I, I listen to music all the time. 
anyone like John, who's room with me a lot, can tell you it's like 24-7. He gets kind of annoyed with it sometimes, understandably. But mm-hmm. because I listen to music all the time, I'm always looking for new stuff because I get sick of the old stuff. And right. Right. especially if it's a good song, I over-listen to it, and two weeks later, I'm done with it. So I just started like, hey, maybe I'm just going to start sharing the music that I find if it's danceable and enjoyable. And uh, so I created this Instagram and in reality it was meant to, to channel people to Spotify. Instagram itself is not actually what I'm after people following. I want people to, to get to my Spotify because that's where they're also going to see other playlists. They're going to mm-hmm. see all my BPM playlists that I use for workshops. They're going to see kind of all the things that I'm listening to. Um, and so I, I, I have gotten some DJ gigs from it and mm-hmm. I really love DJing. Uh, you can hire me as a DJ, people listening if you want. <laughs> and you should. She's great. Thank you. Um, I I don't have aspirations of like being one of the top DJs in the West Coast Wing world, but if I'm hired at an event, I would love to DJ for people. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's fun to be kind of in control of where the, the flow of the room goes while still trying to honor what people want to move to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it too. It's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was initially started because I just wanted to share the music that I was finding in a more um, public or more seen way. How do you, I'm asking this because I know you are thoughtful about how you do your communications, Mm. but how do you track your impact? I mean, I know you can use insight, Mm. right? And they'll tell you how many people, whatever, liked or what have you visited your posts. But how do you track your influence beyond that? Mm. Like, do you know... Do, do you get a sense of people who want to study you or people want to hire you as a DJ? Like you said, mm. you've had a few people ask you. Yeah. Do you track your influence beyond that? That's a good question. That's uh, what I said, just out of curiosity, yeah, if that's... anybody tracks that. Because you can track the numbers that Instagram gives right. you. But that's just like the output. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I definitely, I don't have a way of, of actually tracking that outside of insights and then just people coming up to me and, and talking to me about it, which honestly happens probably five or six times, maybe more at, a, at each event I go to. Mm-hmm. It's like, I love your music. And even if I'm not DJing, um, partially mm-hmm. because when I, when I teach workshops, whoever I'm teaching with, I'm usually the one playing music. Right. And so people hear my music through workshops and they go and follow the Spotify or follow the exactly. Instagram and whatever, if they don't have Spotify. Um, so usually my, my tracking is word of mouth. Right. That's when I get the most like validation of like, Oh, I should keep this going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause I feel like we've talked about this on the show about people like yourself who are kind of the new generation of pros mm-hmm. are using social media more. Mm-hmm. And I'm always curious, the ones who are engaging in social media, whether it's doing YouTube videos, you know, like mm-hmm. Sean and Courtney put out these great artistic projects that they're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And how much is it really, advancing your career Mm. right like okay good i had a thousand likes on this post yeah but am i getting hired more am i getting more private lessons Mm. you know what i mean like to be able to track that because maybe deborah you know you stress over using social media maybe it doesn't make all that big of a difference at the end of the day but um i feel like it probably could and should just even raising awareness of you and your brand yes Um, Uh, i think it does i mean just using youtube as an example of how it shot west coast swing and made it more public to more to more countries sure social media does help of um i forget what his name is but he's an awesome guy from malaysia who created this whole um google doc an excel it's an excel spreadsheet um 
going through all of the people who were the most influential on YouTube over the videos. Past year. Yeah. 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 It <laughs> was insane to go through and watch it and just kind of see. Um, but who, also that, that that's partially because of who's doing what. Right. Exactly. Right? I, like Ben Morris is probably the most watched because he puts up yeah. the most videos. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so. it was interesting just to see like, okay, like there, here's an exact result of like people right. who are doing a lot of social media on right. YouTube. Like it's seen, it's recognized. Um, I mean, I, you, you have to understand the anxiety. It's not just it's YouTube, <laughs> it's, YouTube it's Instagram, uh, it's, it's Facebook, yeah. it's even Spotify. Cause yeah. I have a DJ Spotify yeah. uh, list. It's, it's everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what I have. I can't. Well, like, I, I don't think it's necessary. Like, I think it, it is one avenue of promotion, but like, you're the Deborah Seke. You have a the in front of your name. That's promotion enough. Like, you're good. <laughs> um, that's enough. But I mean, I, I do believe that if I did more social media, like on Instagram, mm. or that I, there would be more, more, you know, job hires. And I do know there's a variety of, of pros who actually pay social media yep. managers. Um, yep. And I have some friends who have been interested in doing that just because, for like, I, I would do it for other people. It's pretty easy for me. Um, because I've done the research and I, it's, I it's a lot. um, well, right now you're managing yes. Instagram yes. primarily. Yes. I do have a YouTube channel. I'm working on building that more. Yeah. Uh, it's harder to get more videos for it sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and also the rights of the music and all that stuff. Right. It's a, right. That's something that, you know, can't, you get constantly getting blocked. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how much, how much better that would be for you. Like your Instagrams are fantastic. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Like just like I said, just the damn hashtags. I'm like, Jesus, what, <laughs> what a good hashtag! <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I know you said the the solo videos. You're not really getting as much response, but I feel like I don't know. I follow you on Instagram, mm -hmm. and I feel like it's a an important part of your brand. Mm -hmm. That, and I think it's great just in general to see somebody at your level who one is willing to just be expressive and just put mm -hmm. something raw out there, like. Lots of times you're traveling and you're in some park yeah. with this beautiful scenery and you're like, I just decided to dance here. And it's really vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, and it also shows that you're constantly working and constantly learning. And yeah. I think that's a really good model. And that I think is part of your brand. Yeah. Um, you. you know, seeing other people do similar things where they put mm -hmm. out like Sean and Courtney putting out these pieces that are really mm -hmm. them. Yeah. You know, not mm -hmm. only does it advance their brand, but I think it's really inspiring and uh, a, a good model for the rest of the mm -hmm. community. It's, it's funny because everywhere I go, I always have a speaker, my iPad, my phone, and I have a lens for my, for my phone as well. Um, I was going to ask you how you did those videos because they're so... <laughs> it's a wide lens. Like, okay. Yeah. So I and have you put a, it on your phone? A phone case and a lens. I've got a couple different lenses. It's a company called Moment. So Okay, has, Brad Whelan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, so the phone case has a little insert for for you to attach this lens to it you can yeah. see it they can't see yeah. it um and so you take the lens and you like it snaps in and so you've got different types of lenses the one i use the most is a fisheye lens uh but you can just get a wide angle lens you can get right. different macro lenses um they're about a hundred bucks each but it oh. definitely helps because a basic video on an iphone or an average smartphone it's not going to be wide enough mm -hmm. to to show most things so this is that I honestly bought that and a tripod and I travel with them everywhere. Mm. And I, 
I'm the kind of person who like, I see a cool space and most people are like, let's take a photo in it. I'm like, I'm going to go dance in it. <laughs> <laughs> and post on Instagram. And probably do that. <laughs> when everybody's awake. Well, and to be honest, I probably post like 1% of what I actually film. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Because I dance around an hour or two a day and I film it all because then I'm mm-hmm. going to go study it. And I right. might, I might post one thing from that time. Maybe not. Probably not. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you have really developed your career. Um, amazingly, I will say having been here in the Bay area for nine years, like mm-hmm. I remember when you were a baby, were a baby dancer, <laughs> <laughs> one of the like Nordquist kids. Um, oh, yeah. and, uh, by the way, I loved your style even back then. It's Aww. evolved since then. Thank you. It's like matured like a nice wine. But <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, your legs and feet and hips were amazing even as a kid. So it's cool that you True still story. are using yeah. those. Um, yeah. But, you know, thinking about your current success and, you know, it seems like you're having a successful career as a professional mm-hmm. dancer. What do you feel might be next for you? Mm. Have you thought about that at all? Or are you just enjoying the ride now? I definitely have thought about it a <laughs> lot. <laughs> um, I, so I, I mentioned the, the hashtag movement addict. Um, that is the branding that I'm creating for myself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in the process of creating a logo and a website for movement addict. Um, uh, my goal being that I'm going to kind of create an Instagram for it too, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But the the idea of Movement Addict and Alyssa Marie, it's A-M-M-A, um, is that getting people to move more, whether it's dance, whether it's fitness, whether it's whatever, uh, I right. don't care what it is, but getting people right. to move more mm-hmm. and like uh, on the website, having a variety of whether it's like, here, dance with me, here's a, a solo combo, here's a fitness tip, here's a variety of things just to get people to be more mobile. Um, and I'll, I, ideally it's probably going to be website and Instagram heavy, uh, Instagram being like here, I'll, I'll have videos of me dancing or working out or have other people dancing, or working out and kind of like highlight other people in the community or even outside of the community that are doing awesome things for their body and working to, to stay healthy or get healthy. Uh, but definitely sticking with like, Hey, let's move and like be healthy as we do it. Um, and ideally have some body positivity in there as well and, and highlight totally. like, Hey, we all have bodies that are functioning and that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we should try keeping it that way. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. 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 So that, that's one of the, the things I've had, um, in my head and starting to come to fruition, uh, over the next couple of months. Cool. Yeah. Is there something you want to see in the dance community mm. either the dance itself or the community at large something it's so <laughs> broad <laughs> i know that just we've talked about that with other pros mm. is there is there something you'd like to see more of or something different or less of or less of <laughs> <laughs> oh less ducks less ducks, less ducks. Less ducks. Yeah. um it'll pass mm-hmm. i will see <laughs> a lot of ducks this too shall pass um, I, I love how many classes are offered at events. Mm-hmm. I wish more people took advantage of them mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, and personally, like I will give myself some shit for this because 
when I was a younger dancer, I didn't go to that many workshops. And now I'm like, I want to go to all of them. Oh my goodness. Because yes, it's a workshop. Yes, it's not directly like applicable. Like not every single thing in this workshop will be directly applicable to you. However, as a teacher, it might be directly applicable to one of your students. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so taking advantage of, of being able to go into all the classes you can and actually just take something, take anything from, from each of the class that you either go sit in or go take. Um, but there's so many opportunities for learning available. And I don't think people take enough advantage of them. And when they do, they're not responsible for their learning. Hmm. So if they go into right. the class and then they just zone out, or if they go yep. into the class and like, Oh, I teacher, I can't see you. Can you move over here? No, you have legs. Go move over there. Go move right. into a better position right. where you can see the teacher better. Go mm-hmm. actually be responsible for your learning rather mm-hmm. than trying to make a person cater to you. That's kind of the society we live in right now. But yeah, that's true. The yeah. society. Yeah. Yay, millennials. I want to ask you one more thing. Yeah. If there was one if there was one word of advice mm-hmm. that you could give to an up and coming West Coast swing dancer, what would you tell them? One word of advice. Mm. Don't forget why you dance. Yes. Don't Bravo. forget. Don't forget why you love to dance. Don't lose yourself in the business aspect and the, I got to become a champion. No, just love this dance. Amen. Bravo. Yeah. Mm. I'm happy now. Yay! Me too. <laughs> satisfied. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Happy Deborah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yes, I was, was definitely nervous. I was like, oh, I have to say words. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. No, it was great. Thank you. Um, what is the best way for people to reach you if they want to reach out? Cool. Yes. So I have an email. That's not me bragging. Uh, <laughs> my email is Alyssa Marie Glanville. So that's my full name, Alyssa Marie Glanville at gmail.com. Or you can add me on Facebook. I may or may not accept you. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, if you request to friend somebody that probably not familiar with, yeah, please have a profile picture where I can oh see your face. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, like if you're a dog, I'm not going to friend you. Unless, unless you're a really cute dog. <laughs> okay. I'm not a dog yeah, person. No. If you were a cat, maybe. Okay, there we go. But still. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have a Facebook, Alyssa Marie Glanville. Uh, what I would recommend is if you really want to get a hold of me and we're not friends, add me and send me a message because then at least it'll go to my message requests. Uh, best way probably, though, is email because of how often I travel. Uh, I'm working on another website, so once that is up, I will post those both to my Facebook and my Instagram. You can also follow me on Instagram at Alyssa Marie G., or follow my DJ Instagram, which is DJ Listen Up. And that's L Y S S E N. Yes. L Y S S T E N. T E N. Sorry. Yeah. This 10. Oh, no. I didn't really listen. Listen. Listen has a T in it, so it makes sense. Exactly. Totally logical. Thank you, Deborah. Yes. Well done. I would have done the same thing. But I didn't. Dang it. Damn it. If you want to share your thoughts and reactions with us, you can post a comment on our website, you can respond to our posts on Facebook, or you can share your thoughts in our discussion group on Facebook. You can also email Deborah and me through our site at thenakedtruthwcs.com or through our Facebook page. To get the latest news, you can like our page on Facebook, 
subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, follow us on Instagram at the Naked Truth WCS, and yes, you can still follow us on Twitter mm-hmm. at Naked Truth WCS. I think we're we're nearing seventy followers. Oh my God, this is it's very exciting. <laughs> you can also buy some of our swag through our online store. We have men's and women's shirts with our logo and other fun designs. Just go to the naked truth, WCS.com forward slash store to buy yours today. We can ship it to you or we can get it to you at an upcoming event. Again, that's the naked truth, WCS.com forward slash store. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you might listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review on Facebook. And if you're on the iTunes, please rate us and give us a review over on the iTunes. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And that's the naked truth. Finger I'm doing finger guns. Because <laughs> you can't see me. Finger guns. Yes. <laughs> Those are my favorite. Me too. My favorite is when like someone is all like super serious and they go, Oh, I love you, and you're like, Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Thanks for that. That's very funny. Mm-hmm.